we're up to Exodus 34. Yahweh said to Moses, chisel two stone tablets like the first. I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready by the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself there to me on the top of the mountain. No one shall come up with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Do not let the flocks or herds graze in front of that mountain. He chiseled two tablets of stone like the first. Then Moses rose up early in the morning and went up to Mount Sinai as Yahweh had commanded him and took in his hand two stone tablets. Yahweh descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed Yahweh's name. Yahweh passed before him and proclaimed, Yahweh, Yahweh, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth, keeping love and kindness for thousands, forgiving iniquity and disobedience and sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the children's children, on the third and on the fourth generation. Moses hurried and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. He said, If now I have found favour in your sight, Lord, please let the Lord go among us, even though this is a stiff-necked people. Pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. He said, Behold, I make a covenant before all the people, I will do marvels such as have not been worked in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among whom you shall see the work of Yahweh. For it is an awesome thing that I do with you. Observe that which I command you today. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Be careful, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, where you are going, lest it be a snare among you. But you shall break down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars, and you shall cut down their Asherah poles, for you shall worship no other god. For Yahweh, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god. Don't make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, lest they play the prostitute after their gods and sacrifice to their gods, and one call you, and you eat of his sacrifice. And you take of their daughters to your sons, and their daughters play the prostitute after their gods, and make your sons play the prostitute after their gods. You shall make no cast idols for yourselves. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, as I commanded you, at the time appointed in the month Abib, for in the month Abib you came out of Egypt." All that opens the womb is mine, and all your livestock that is male, the firstborn of cow and sheep, you shall redeem the firstborn of a donkey with a lamb. If you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. You shall redeem all the firstborn of your sons. No one shall appear before me empty. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall rest. In ploughing time and in harvest you shall rest. You shall observe the Feast of Weeks with the first fruits of wheat harvest and the Feast of Harvest at the year's end. Three times in the year all your males shall appear before the Lord Yahweh, the God of Israel. For I will drive out nations before you and enlarge your borders. Neither shall any man desire your land 
when you go up to appear before Yahweh your God three times in the year. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread. The sacrifice of the feast of Passover shall not be left to the morning. You shall bring the first of the first fruits of your ground to the house of Yahweh your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Yahweh said to Moses, Write these words, for in accordance with these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. He was there with Yahweh for forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. He wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Sinai with two tablets of the covenant in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mountain, Moses didn't know that the skin of his face shone by reason of his speaking with him. When Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses spoke to them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them all the commandments that Yahweh had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. When Moses was done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before Yahweh to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spoke to the children of Israel that which he was commanded. The children of Israel saw Moses' face, that the skin of Moses' face shone. So Moses put the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. Well, this chapter, it's a redo <laughs> because Moses went up the mountain before for 40 days and God told him many things on the mountain that he was supposed to come down and tell the people and that was the beginning of the covenant. But, of course, when Moses came down there was the golden calf and the covenant was broken and destroyed even before it got started. Kind of like, you know, a wife committing adultery on you know the eve of a, ma of, a, of a marriage and the husband kind of like feeling, well, are we even gonna get this thing started? But no, Moses pleaded with God and God agreed that he would still be with them. So Moses now has gone up the mountain for another 40 days <laughs> and um, God, God has said everything to Moses to tell the people and Moses is coming down the mountain with the 10 commandments again, but this time, no golden calf. They've learned their lesson, and this time the covenant is actually getting started. So it was a redo, um, but finally the people have learned their lesson. Because, of course, the people have been through terrible experiences. They, some of them were destroyed. People were, were even killed. And now the people know that Moses hasn't disappeared. They know he's spending time with God. And so now, now Moses has finally come down the mountain and he's able to tell the people what God has said. So the covenant is now finally commencing. And of course in that chapter, very quickly, was summarized some of the key things of, that, of the covenant. Like God didn't, listed here are not all the things that God said to Moses the first time. We just know that God said all those things again. But they've just summarized a few of the key ones, like the Sabbath, you know, keep it holy, and like the three feasts. And it says that for these three feasts, like Passover, the festival of unleavened bread, you know, all your males must come to Jerusalem or to, you know, to stand before the Lord, which later would be Jerusalem. And um, 
some people think, oh, that sounds a bit sexist. Only the males, you know, come before the Lord. No, that's not what it said. What it says is the males must come. <laughs> the women have a choice. And that's always been our policy here at Peace too, as a congregation. It's always been our policy that the men must be responsible, but the women have a choice. And so, for example, you know, when you're, when you're looking for, for volunteers in church life, you have to make the men be involved. The men have to take responsibility for their homes, their families, family, their spiritual life, but the women have an option. So if you, you're not going to go around forcing women to do things um, because you know they have got they have got um, uh, families that they care for, and and it's uh, it's it's not sexist. It's it's um, considerate. That's what it is. So here the women have the choice to to participate in the festivals, but if it's too much for them, you know all of Israel had to travel to participate in these festivals, and sometimes that was a big burden. And sometimes women didn't want to go, or sometimes they were pregnant, or sometimes um, it was they were sick or unwell. Well, they didn't have to; they weren't required. But the men were required if they were unwell, or uh, you know, if if there were other needs, they were still asked by the Lord to travel these three times a year. And that's certainly our position: is if you want a strong church, you need strong men as well as strong women. And when it comes to men, you need to make them serve the Lord. <laughs> but you know what, women, they usually have the sweeter hearts and the tender hearts. They usually, they quickly love the Lord. They're more easily open to Him. And you usually don't have to ask them to serve the Lord or volunteer. They just do. And um, so that's, we see a little bit of that reflected right here. And so Moses finally comes down from the mountain. There's no golden calf the second time. And his face is shining with the glory of God. In fact, it's shining that he has to, so much he has to put a veil over it, a covering, so that he can talk to people without, um, you know, with, they're able to actually look at him um, with that veil over. And um, so this is talking to us about the glory of the covenant. You know, this covenant was something that was glorious. God approved of it. And um, finally... This is something that has the favor of God. And as Moses comes down the mountain and the people see the glory on Moses' face, they know this is a legit thing. And um, Paul talks about this exact thing in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You can go and read it. But he compares the, this covenant with the new covenant that Jesus established. You know, when Jesus established the new covenant in, at the Last Supper, and he said, this is my, the blood of my covenant broken for you, the face of Jesus was not shining. So here we've got a covenant in the Old Testament where Moses' face was shining, but in the New Testament, the new covenant, Jesus' face is not shining. But Paul says that the new covenant was the more glorious covenant. And you'd have to say, well, how come it could be more glorious when Jesus' face didn't shine, but Moses' did? And the reason is because this old covenant the physical glory was demonstrated to show that it was from God because the people needed physical things. But the true glory of things is not really measured in physical, whether there's a light or not. The true glory is, is measured in what it achieves and how it is brought about. And the, the, the glory of the second covenant is, is far more glorious because it's given by the Lord himself. It's given in the, the sacrificing of his blood 
it's, it redeems all humanity to himself. It's glorious in that it was, it was brought about by the Lord and it achieved the salvation of all people. Whoever looks to the Lord is saved and it's a far more glorious thing. And whenever you or I look at the Lord, the glory of the Lord enters into our own heart. And um, so we actually have the opportunity to have that glory shine within us if we would look at Christ and turn to him. So it is more glorious. It's just it's not comparing physical with physical. It's comparing physical with a different thing. And so Paul, Paul talked a bit about this and he said, whenever any Jew tries to find God through Moses, the, the, the gospel is veiled. You know, you see how Moses had the veil on his face and so the Jews were looking at Moses to kind of hear the words of God, but they couldn't see because of the veil. And this is what Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians 3. He said, whenever a Jewish person tries to find God through the old covenant, there's a veil and they can't see the glory of God. But whenever a Jew comes to Jesus, there's no veil because Jesus' face wasn't covered and they actually can find the glory of God, see the glory and find Christ, find the new covenant, find God. And it's the same actually, not just for Jews, but it's the same for all people. Anyone who tries to find God any other way than through Jesus will find that they don't find God. Jesus is the way to find him. So it's like there's a veil or something that blocks the minds or blocks the vision of people from finding God unless they come through Christ. It's the same for all people. So I think the thing that I learned from this or I observe from this is first of all, any of us can experience the glory of God just like Moses. This wasn't something only for Moses. It's something for all of us because when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn in two. Now, not the veil on his face. There was no veil on his face, but the veil in the temple was torn in two. And that was a way of saying that anyone can go into God's presence. So you and I, we can find the glory of God just as Moses did. That's the first lesson. But the other lesson is everyone else that's out there in the world, they're looking to find something meaningful, significant. Some of them don't even know it's God, but they have a veil. They're unable to see and they need help. So it's our prayer to pray for them to be able to see Jesus. Because if they see Jesus, then they're going to find the glory of God. So Father, I ask you to help us, first of all, to find your glory just as Moses did. And, uh, but second of all, Lord, we pray for our friends, family and believers that don't know you. And we pray for the veil that blocks them from seeing to be removed, for their eyes to be opened. And we would say, let there be light. Just as you said, let there be light in Genesis 1. Father, I pray the light of God would fill the hearts and minds of those around us that are unbelievers. Lord, let your glory be revealed in Jesus' name. Amen.